When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 117. Today is Thursday, September 14th. We got a great show. Starting to get the rearview mirror going, talking the biggest surprises of 2023. Uh, or at least surprises that we feel are noteworthy for this episode. Going to be a lot of fun. Steve's got three. I got three. We'll have a chance to do a little bit of a deep dive. Maybe, you know, veer around to other surprises throughout the season. But this is kind of the off-season primer. And we're just a couple weeks out from end-of-season uh, stats, kind of full-season stat lines where we can really look at, uh, you know, the, the bold predictions, the chalkboard, all that good stuff. But we've uh, we've got a fun show ahead, Steve. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to talking baseball. I've been in the fantasy football throes of it. And I got to say, I'm actually, as much as I knock it as a uh, Packer fan, and it's safe to say you could probably call me a Fairweather Packer fan, but it's been 15, 20 years, so a lot of games. I've actually been kind of interested in the football season with the Jordan Love against the Bears in week one. So, yeah, that said, you know, my my interest in football can wane fast and just be thinking about fantasy offseason for baseball. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of my state of mind. How are you doing out there? You uh, stay insane after effectively the end of the fantasy baseball season. Yeah, yeah, for us, both our home leagues came to an end. But, yeah, football's nice. It's nice to – it's nice background noise while we're wrapping up baseball. Um and it's just something doing, new, right? Like yeah, the change yeah. of the wardrobe. Yeah. And, and waiting sort of to prep for 2024. It's nice to have, uh, you know, a little fantasy fill, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, weekly fabs. I think that's most leagues. It's, it's it's nice not to have to do it every day. And you sort of only set your lineup once. It's a, 
yeah. It's a nice um it's a nice refresher. I actually do fantasy hockey. I got back into it last year or two years now I've done it because of the Pitcherless Discord. Shout out to the Pitcherless Discord. I joined a league with a bunch of guys from Pitcherlist. Um so I guess huh? that's kind of uh and that's daily too, right? Like uh there's a yeah, lot of work. It's not it's not as I... many it's not as many games as baseball, right? Like yeah. you know, teams the you know, the basketball and hockey sort of stack nights of the week, right? Um yep. and then I do I do the basketball. Games. Yeah. 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 So we're 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 addicts. I mean that that's what we do. We can we can't stay away from it. Uh, but yeah, it was a great to get back into it, so another plug for the discord to, to join that there because, for sure and actually yeah. i've i've hit it because I, I every year in football i get burnt on something and then i'll load up uh, on the other stuff so my thing is i have like seven wide receivers and that's the nice thing about the discord is you can do kind of the the start sit advice on the disc now this is if you guys here's the plug if yeah. you guys have pitcherless plus or if you're a, a pl pro member there's the QB list side of the Discord where you can get the uh, Sunday morning chats and ask for start-sit suggestions, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I've uh, been kind of following and, and shamelessly plugging, like, you know, Sky Moore or George yeah. Pickens, things <laughs> like that. So, uh, needless to say, I lost week one. This is not my sport of choice, but good fantasy baseball season overall I, w- I was satisfied with my teams and kind of the depth of the run and i've got to close the loop on the story that i know all our listeners are desperately hoping for an update on my brother did win our home league for the first time in 2020 or in 22 years so congratulations to ty loyal listener of the podcast the say hey kid finally got the monkey off the back so that's that's my uh, rambling intro, but Steve, give me your thoughts on uh, topic for this show. Biggest surprises of 2023. Uh, did this come easy to you? I know it was your idea for the show as well. Uh, just give me a little behind the curtain on this. Um, came a little easy. I sort of just briefly looked at like uh, a few of my leagues and player rankings and then just some more general ideas that have just been sort of shocking to me the whole year so it was a little bit easier and it's you know not quite a full recap or wrap-up show right where we need a a full season right because hey a lot can change in two weeks like look at what spoiler one of the guys we've been talking about trey turner has done in like just a month to his season's line so a lot still can happen and we'll get into like the weeds of like players we like and with a forward-looking lens and, and recapping full season lines in just a few short episodes. But I think this is a, a, a good idea to sort of talk about players that we haven't talked about a lot. I know we, we generally focus on actionable items, and that doesn't lead us to talk about even a guy who was struggling like Trey Turner in the first half because there's not much you can do. It was either like buy low or hold. Um you know, there wasn't much else you could sort of uh, add to that. Uh, you can't do a full episode on, on things like that. But um, it's fun to talk about guys uh, that are, you know, bigger names that we don't normally talk about. So, um, And surprising names at that. They're, they're interesting and there's a lot to say. So interesting to get your thoughts on a few of mine and interesting and excited to give my thoughts on a few of what you found to be surprising. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you said it. I think maybe the trickiest part about this was trying to find surprising names that haven't been all over 
the the WAF rundowns over the past <laughs> two months because like when I did the same thing, either looking at uh, you know the the draft board, I, I kind of bookended yeah. it. I looked at the draft board same, from same. back in March, and then I looked at the you know the the end of season ranks at least for for my leagues, and you know there's the Bryson Stotts, there's the uh, Haseon Kims ones that we've we've covered ad nauseum at Lane Thomas, another one that we've talked about all year and he's not on the rundown. Uh, so yeah, plenty of the honorable mentions, but like you said, a nice chance to talk about names we haven't covered that much. And uh, without further ado, I think I can jump in and you could go positive or negative with these. I had a couple Debbie downers and one positive one, but Sandy Alcantara, you know, this is one Steve that like, it's going to be really interesting to see what in next year's draft people do because we pretty much had, you know, three, four seasons of him just being a bona fide ace and none more than in 2022, right? When he had 228 innings. Yeah, the strikeouts were always a little under a strikeout per inning, but the 228 ERA and a sub one whip. So he was like SP three or four in the draft rooms. And I felt like no one really questioned. It was all of the, you know, the doubt was on the ceiling for Alcantara. And it was the floor that you thought you could count on. Then you look at his line this year. For one, he I mean, he had one brief IL stint. So he only had 28 starts compared to like 32, 33 in the past couple of years. Just 184 innings. 151 strikeouts, but the ratios with a 414 ERA, a 121 whip, and you look at that line all together with like a 7 and 12 record, like this was fringe worthy, like startable and, and, and rosterable. And it's just like if you removed the name from it and looked at everything, you'd just be like, man, that's kind of a Toby or a, a Holly, slightly better than a Toby. And yeah, I think it's just worth the breakdown on Alcantara. And, like, you look at, you know, the first thing you do is you go to the, the, the pitch mix. Were there any drastic changes? Not really. I mean, he threw his sinker more often. And the sinker, you know, it was fine. Uh, it's not a good whiff pitch or anything. Uh, I guess he threw the slider a little bit less. Um, you know, and, and that's it, his best whiff pitch, which is what you get from sliders. But everything else, like under the hood, like the the velocity looked the same. Uh, I don't know. I, I I just look at this and it's like so far off what I expected in terms of ratios, and it just kind of begs the question on like what happened. Like he still was a ground ball pitcher. Um, you know, it, it's it's perplexing to me, and I don't know what we're gonna do next year because of the fact that like most of the things that that changed were what like he gave up less barrels but that's not something a pitcher always has control over so Alcantara was the biggest surprise for me looking at like the pitching landscape and just the draft board and uh yeah curious as we dive in here what we'll find with Alcantara because did not expect this one I don't want to take too much credit I wish I, I had I had him on um my fade like on, on, on the, on the chalkboard. Yeah. Um, but I think the process for me 
you know, didn't expect this, didn't expect a 4.14 ERA. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have any shares of him this year because no, I felt same. you were just drafting volume. Um, the reason why his year last year was so good was because despite just the 8.15 K per nine, he threw 222 innings, 228 innings. So you still got that sheer volume of strikeouts because of the, the innings total. Um, and you know, uh, the skills still said that he was a, a three to mid three ERA, not the two two eight ERA. Like had I predict, you know, if I were to give a projection, I would have said, Hey, he was a low three ERA with a, a decent K, uh, you know, a below average K rate, decent to below average K rate. That's going to throw a ton of innings. Um, and all it takes is one IL stint to not hit that innings. And then, you know, uh, it becomes much more replaceable, that much easier, uh, at least for a guy that doesn't strike out, um, especially an ace that doesn't strike out close to 30% of the guys that he faces. Um, it's going to be even more interesting next year because he's currently hurt with an elbow injury. Um, he's throwing and playing catch. Um, but it was starting to like look better right in the last two months. He had a three, three, one ERA, uh, three, four, eight ERA in August. And then, uh, in, in, in just uh, one start, he had gave up like one run in in September. So he was really looking much better over the last uh, few months and looked a lot more like Sandy Alcantara. Um, and I think would have regained a lot of his stock had he not been hurt. So it's going to be super interesting. Um, but that being said, I'm not. As surprised as everyone else, because I don't think I was expecting him to be a bona fide SP1. I thought that maybe he would be more of a back end SP1, more SP2. Um, you know, like a you know twenty to thirty on the rankings rather than top ten where he was being drafted. Yeah, I don't think you know this being kind of the stuffest pod and. What I had said to Nick before the season, it was like Dylan Cease and Strider were reaches on like mock drafts. Like my philosophy I was I was attempting this year was to get pitchers who were on the ascent. And it definitely felt like you were paying for a best case scenario for Alcantara unless he took a step forward. I just never saw the the floor bottoming out to this extent. And that's where I'm kind of looking at. I don't know. I mean, it, it's deep dive worthy. But I don't know that I see anything like, yeah, you know, the the breaking stuff, the velocity was down a little bit. Um, I would imagine the BABIP probably regressed a little bit from last year. I don't have that right in front it, of me. It, it did. It was 287 this year, 262 last year. Okay. So what uh, – you got left on base in front of you, Steve? I'm just wondering. I do. I do. 78.8% in 2022, 696 in 2023. So, yeah, so he kind of got caught in the storm home a few run, times. Home run, the seems, fly ball but... was back to 13% after 8.5 last year, but that 13% 13. is much closer to his 11.4% than the 8.5. That sort of looks like the outlier um, when looking at all of his seasons. So you kind of got to draft a, a 
mid threes, you know, mid threes, 200 innings, 170 Ks. Uh, that now has an the, injury question mark on it. Right. Right. That's a good point. But the walks were still very much in check. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he just, you know, and maybe I, I feel like because of Nick, Alcantara is kind of a, a pitcher list, uh, you know, favorite in a way. Um, but I as well didn't have any shares. Some of that I think was just fading very early pitching. Uh, but I didn't have any shares either. And next year, I don't know that I'll jump in where people like what is does he feel like a round six pitcher? Yeah, I, th- I think so, assuming health. Um, my question to you is going to be, assuming health, let's say he, um, you know, throws a bullpen by the end of the year and is going, and all reports are good going into spring training, are you okay having him as your SP1 if it comes in like the sixth or seventh round, if you sort of fade that early, early round pitching and... You're posed with the question, do you want to start off your staff with Sandy Alcantara? Do you do it? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I just think I want uh, I think I want my SP1 to have the strikeout upside that he's not going to provide. And I think it's, it's as simple as that because even my SP2 and 3 behind him, I would want to compensate for the lack of Ks. And at that point in the draft, you know, past pick 100, a lot of times those strike high strikeout upside you got, guys. You got to get riskier. It's going to be like Hunter Green, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. It could be Nick Lodolo yeah. or it could be Pablo Lopez. But like if it's Nick Lodolo, you're in real trouble. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I, and like you said, it only takes a stint or two. And for, that might be, you know, sort of the sort of luck that we talked about with Little Piranha, right? Like you could have Nick Lodolo. You know, this is last year, uh, using as this as an example, like you said, you could have Nick Lodolo and Pablo Lopez as, hey, these are the two targets I want to target as K upside pitchers. Pablo Lopez can go one pick before, and then, you know, just because that's who's left, you get stuck with Nick Lodolo and 2023 Sandy Alcantara. And all of a sudden, you might not know it in March, but you're in a big hole pitching-wise. So, yeah, I, I agree. For sure. So let's swing over to yours, Steve. Uh, take us a little optimistic with this one here. My biggest surprise, and this is something that I hinted at and and complained about and uh, uh-huh. struggled with all the first half of the season, my biggest surprise is the shape of Trey Turner's season. Um, because what he is doing from basically August on, I know that you could tie it to when he um, had that standing ovation uh, at the end of July uh, by the Phillies fans. It is absolutely amazing. And looking at his line after he was traded for pennies on the dollar, like I saw the the trades that went through in the Pitchless Discord, another plug for that. Um, and, you know, you couldn't really... <laughs> battle again you couldn't really say much against it because he was that unusable in the first half he had um two, a two forty pre all-star pre all-star break he had a 247 batting average and his ops was 688 688 like that, that that's close dismal. to the line of not pl- like 
MLB teams don't start you if you have an OPS that's you know hovers around 650. Um, obviously, that's not going to be the case with someone like Trey Turner and his track record, but that just goes to show how bad he was. But it's been as bad as it was in the first half. It's been that amazing in the second half because he has a 987 OPS in the second half, which like is by far his career high uh, for OPS. So it's just incredible what he's doing. Like, yes, this is obviously not a good process, and I I fell for it. But you saw in the World Baseball Classic like how otherworldly and how he is one of the best hitters in the game. And he did that in the second half after having the worst half of his first season. So it's just incredible that he was able to put together two halves like that at such extremes. Um, but I also think it goes to show that it's a good process to sort of fade guys uh, on, on new contracts, um, on new big contracts that going to new teams. Mm-hmm. I know if you guys have hard and fast rules. I sort of learned that lesson with Marcus Simeon the year before. But also, maybe the rule is don't draft them, trade for them when they're a few months <laughs> in and, and, and comfortable. Um, if you do the rolling graphs on fan graphs and, and put together uh, like Trey Turner's 15-game rolling average for this year and just put his chase rate and his WRC+, plus, it's like, you know, it, the lot, the chart makes an X, right, where the, 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 the chase rate is all the way up in the first half and then slowly trickles down, and the WRC Plus is all the way down in the first half and slowly comes up as he just chases less and presses less. Um, I know it's, uh, it's, it's more soft analysis and, and a harder science to, to, to back up, but it's just incredible what he's able to do. Like, he had 21 homers last year and was the, the first, you know, an argument for the first overall pick. He has 26 homers already this year, right? Like, where's yeah. Trey Turner? Like, we were talking about, oh, you know, if there's any First discount on Trey, it's Trey Turner. Like, it's it's great. Like, I don't know. He might be back into the well, conversation of top five pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would guess the over behind that. But just the last week, we were talking first round, and we I'm not sure we brought his name up once. And But the past 13 games, he has 11 home runs. And it's it's kind of Bo Bichette esque from how strong he finished last year, and he almost like rescued his whole season with one month, and we're seeing Turner do that with these two months. So, and, and what's nuts is he hasn't been caught stealing once. He now has twenty seven steals, zero caught stealing. Like part of me is just like, you know, selfishly for fantasy. I know there's a real game on the other side of this, but like. Ron Moore, dude, like the new base and, paths, like yeah, what's I, I him agree. From like what's not, yeah, exactly, exactly. He could get as many as he wants. He seems, but it, it's interesting too because you know he had a, he has a three thirteen average in the second half, so he's getting on base a, a bunch more. He only has eight steals. Uh, I know it's it's eighty eight games versus fifty three games, but he only has eight steals in those fifty three games where he had nineteen in the eighty eight games. So. Not Take stealing at, 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 a, at a at a higher clip, but like like it's in there. Like I, I feel like he could steal as many bases as he wants, and if they they go away from um, you know Schwarber at the leadoff spot, that potentially could um, 
open up some more uh, stolen base opportunities. Yeah, his OBP in the first half was 299. His OBP in the second half is 364. So he's getting on base a lot more. He's just hitting he's too many homers. homers. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't mean, steal. Yes, it's true. That's true. He's hitting too many <laughs> so homers, uh, more doubles, right? Um, it's true, but I do think that there is some room for speed upside. Though, I mean, last year he still only stole only, I say that tongue-in-cheek, he only stole 31 bases last year. Uh, sorry, no, 27, the exact same amount he has this year. Um, wow. Turner hasn't stolen 20, 30 bases since 2021. Um, pretty crazy when you think about that. It was, uh, uh, yeah, 32 in 2021. So um, it, it's, you, you, I think there's room for upside. I agree. Um, yeah. So Well, and just like, it, it's a good point. Like Turner, long contract, dealt with like the, the, the rock bottom. And now you got the Phillies are going to have a, a playoff push on the other side of this. Like clearly that city backed him and like it's feeling warm and fuzzy in, in Philly right now for Turner. So I do think we've seen the low point. And I don't know. I mean, it'd be. I'm. I'm just gonna take a quick gander, because the other thing is, it is kind of frustrating when players do this. Like for head to head, for Roto, you'll just take it all. But I want to see in past years if he's had these kind of swings of any of any kind. So, no, last year it was pretty consistent throughout. He he did have you know, like a month down or, or two. Obviously, everyone has a month where they struggle, but not nearly an extended period like like he did in the first half. Um, but no, twenty. You would think that if his insane. you know if and when he does slump again next year, that it won't be nearly as bad. You, you had to think that the last thing that he was worried about is is stealing bases when he's in the worst slump of his professional career after he just signed a $300 million contract trying to figure out his swing, right? Like, I felt like I read an article every other week about how he was working with their hitting coach, Kevin Long, and adding a leg kick, removing his leg kick, going back to his leg kick, uh, you know, all of that. Um, so... Another year removed from this, I think being more comfortable, I think will get will be a much more or or a much less volatile standard first round Trey Turner season that we've come to know and love as fantasy players. So we talked last week about about the first round, Steve. I know you're a Turner guy. He'll be age thirty one season. What? Uh... What do we think? I mean, he's not going in front of a Bobby Witt for you, is he? Um, no, probably not, just because of age and I think Witt's power. Uh, even though they're probably pretty close at Homer total now, which is crazy. Um, but all the things that we liked about Turner, like the fact that he was going to a hitter-friendly park, like to a division that he was comfortable in, that he came up in, and you know, loves hitting in. City Field, loved hitting in, in Citizens Bank in Philly. Like, all of those things, like, are still true that we sort of wiped away when he had that really, really slow start. So, it, it's closer, but I'd still go Bobby Witt. Okay. Um, but ahead, of, we talked about kind of that uh, top two tier with Otani and Acuna. Mm-hmm. Acuna first, of course. 
And then we said there was like kind of a tier three to eight, three to nine. But do you like him in front of like a Jose Ramirez? I like him. In we front of Ho- I, li- I like I like him in front of Jose Ramirez. Yes. Okay. Um, what about the kind of floor group with like Kyle Tucker, Mookie Betts? Do you like the upside that that Turner offers more than those two? I think he is in that group. I think that group's ahead of ahead of um, Jose Ramirez. Yeah. But I think he he could he could be thrown in that group, um, probably behind behind Mookie. But I also do think that you know Mookie, you're sort of paying for a career year. Um, not that I don't love Mookie, but I think uh, there's got to be some regression from just like close to 1100 OPS, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I have a hard time disagreeing. Like he offers something that would I you don't go? Think... Would you go Tucker or Turner? Um, that's tough. Pretty pretty similar position, batting order. I mean, I I do think that we have seen Turner be better, of course. Um. And I think Tucker just kind of, he's just the the metronome like mm-hmm. we talked about. So I think I would probably lean Turner a little bit because I, I do kind of dream on having his first half power, uh, or I'm sorry, his first half speed and his second half mm-hmm. power. And it's like that version of a, of a player is like 35-40. And I don't know that Turner's going to, he doesn't have the speed upside, so Tucker. That is, I'm kind of yeah, yeah. right. So I'm T- kind of Tucker's like a lock for turn. thirty bases. I, I could I could see Tr- Turner stealing forty. Yeah, I think yes, right. I agree. Okay, well I'm staying in negative town, Steve. Um, on my next one, but we are gonna pause, take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 8778 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow 
and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, so Steve, let's let's go back mentally to March draft rooms, us talking SP ranks, talking about the whole, you know, Christian or uh, uh, Sandy Alcantara discussion of who our SP one is that we're comfortable jumping in on. At that point in time, I don't know that there was a pitcher you and I were more excited about at their ADP price around pick fifty five to as high as eighty. And it was Christian Javier, who was coming off of a ridiculous season in 2022 with 148 innings, but 194 strikeouts, a 254 ERA, and a .95 whip. It was one of the better sliders in terms of effectiveness. The swing and miss was great. Uh, And it all came crashing down. Uh, Christian Javier, at, at the the moment we record this, has a line of 141 innings, just 132 strikeouts. So that K percentage has fallen from 33% down to 22%. Walk rate stayed the same, and the ERA has jumped from 254 to 478. Uh, it's been brutal for Javier. And I cannot say I saw this coming. This was the one that anytime someone drafted him, I was, you know, groaning, throwing stuff in the chat. And yeah, it's just it simply put one of the biggest surprises of the season for me. Um we saw the velocity come down a little bit on the fastball, more on the slider. We saw the spin rate come way down on the slider. Um and yeah, overall, just not locating, not finding the spots. Again, the walk stayed the same. He's just been extremely hittable. Um, the pitch mix, no real changes. So calls into question for a guy who we thought was on the ascent, ready to fully graduate into like the top five, top 10 SP territory overall. And more or less, he was a bum this year. So... Thoughts on Javier? This one is just a shocker to me. I, I totally agree. I mean, we drafted him as our first pitcher in the pitcher list uh, Discord Dynasty League that we did. Another shameless mm-hmm. plug there. Um, you can get in leagues like that. Uh, but I, I just did not see this coming at all. There was no signs whatsoever. And and really, the, the, the only thing that, that stands out to me is that decrease in that tick and velocity. Yeah, he didn't have um, elite, elite velocity, but it was good enough at 94 miles an hour. Um, and he had that deceptive release and, and good shape on his, on his fastball that has seemingly just gone away. Um, and so of all the whiffs and so is all the strikeouts. And without that, it's 
uh, you know, really sort of a, a, an unusable, an unusable pitcher. Um, you know, there was a stretch in the beginning of the season where he was pitching well, but not getting the strikeouts. And, you know, you're sort of waiting for the strikeouts to come. And not only did the strikeouts not come, but the results got much, much worse. Um, but this just was not who he was at all in 2022 or 2021 when he still made those nine starts and, and was good out of the bullpen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an injury that, that, that he pitched through here. Um, I would not be surprised if that came out after the season. Um, you know, he did have uh, a 50-inning increase in just the regular season last year. The Astros also made a run to the World Series and won the World Series, and he was pitching throughout all of that. So maybe that played a factor, uh, the fact that he just had so many more innings after pitching just 101 innings in 2021. Uh, between the bullpen and starting nine games, so that could be a, be a factor. Maybe we should have paid more attention to how um, how how much his workload increased last year. Um, so maybe with a, with an off season of, of recovery and another, you know, he's going to get to 160 innings around if he fin- if he makes his next uh, three starts that he has scheduled for the rest of the year. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I would not be in until I see like a fastball velocity increase in spring training or, you know, uh, signs that the swing and miss are going to come back. But I am with you uh, pitching wise. I, I think this even more so for Sandy Alcantara for me. This is the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, uh, it's kind of fascinating, like going to his, his pitcherless page, the the whole Blake Snell blueprint on high fastball, low sliders, like he actually has never really, he does a really good job as good as anybody at at locating the four seamer up and did that in 2022, but he did that in 2023 even more. Um, And then the slider, he's, he's kind of never really uh, located it low, like, like the book says, and, and nothing's really changed. Like you toggle back and forth between 2022, 2023. So much of this looks f- like similar. Um, it's just a little bit like broader of a, of a spray chart. So I don't know if, um, again, if he just wasn't as dialed in on location. Yeah, the velo seem, the velo and, you know, obviously spin rate is important for breaking stuff, but. It just doesn't – like I have a hard time finding anything here that would suggest almost a full like – well, yeah, a, a full two run. It's hard to, it's hard to diagnose. It's really hard to diagnose. I, I, I don't have the answer. Um, All right. Need fill Nick, in the blank. We're going to need Nick to explain <laughs> this to us. Maybe we'll have him on the show again uh, and ask him what the hell went wrong with Christian Javier this year. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try to find in the meantime what what the latest has been from from Nick. But fill in the blank in the meantime, Steve. I would be comfortable with Christian Javier as my SP blank next year. Three and a half. I'm cheating there, but uh, I'll say three. Okay, so from that, you think it's it's just that high of upside that you're okay with a, a good chance of it missing? I think so. Maybe that's too high. You got me regretting it already. Um, probably more comfortable with four uh, if I was, you know, 
to, to answer that again. But, yeah, I still think that there's a good pitcher in here. Um, I don't think he magically lost, like, you know, that 250 innings of 32% strikeout rate, right? Like, that's still something that he did uh, across 2021 and 2022. Um, he doesn't even need to gain all of that back to be an SB3, right? He just needs to be, you know, a 27% strikeout guy. He was 22% mm-hmm. this year. Um I don't know. Uh, I, I got to see this swing and miss come back for me to be more confident in that answer. Um, yeah. In 2021, he had a 13.1% swing strike rate. 2022, 13.8. In 2023, it was just 11%. So the dry, the drop in strikeout rate is is shown in that in that that drop in uh, swing and miss. So there needs to be some underlying skill improvement here to be me, me to be fully back in. So I'm I'm editing my answer SP four. That's that's where I'm comfortable with him. Okay. Yeah that that feels like where you'll have to take him just because I think he will be a big bounce back candidate and if spring training because while it is you mentioned the the velocity's never been great with just you know even last year in 2022 the fastball was 93.8 but that is kind of that critical area that losing a tick there makes a big difference so. If he comes out in spring training and he's sitting 94, getting strikeouts, I think he could be a, a pretty quick riser. But he'll be one one to watch closely. And yeah, to tie a bow on this, on the, the most recent list roundup from, from Nick, the write-up on Javier is, nope, Javier doesn't have it. <laughs> so we're going to need more on yeah. the subject all offseason. But yeah, definitely a shocker. Uh, let's swing it back over to you, Steve, for what I would assume – bring some more optimism yeah yeah i tried to stay optimistic with the uh, uh, to, to counter this out but uh, my biggest surprise and maybe i shouldn't have been surprised on this i would have had a bit more success in 2023 uh is, is corbin carroll and the the year that he put together um i did not pay the price uh, on draft day which ended up to be what the top 60 ish pick uh, you were lucky to get him there, I yeah, think. Yeah, especially towards the end of the draft season, right? Yeah, he was really going like the top four rounds, um, which I guess is you know top sixty. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you got him in the back end of the fourth, you, you're probably doing pretty well. Um, he was more the the front end kind of guy. But I, I sort of went into the mindset that I didn't want to pay for such a little track record. But I think there needs to my my process in the past had been that's okay if you could trust the underlying skills and, and look at at who they are as a prospect and you can know you can pay up for those shiny new toys when the data backs it up and the data backs it up for Corbin Carroll like yeah looking at his WRC pluses from the minor league levels it's video game stuff 135 175 262 305 166 135 like he was amazing at every single stop he made, and he's been amazing at the MLB level too. Like, uh-huh. so there are there needs to be exceptions for the elite of the elite prospects, and I should not have been surprised by Corbin Carroll because your eyes and the data and the the, the underlying numbers showed you that, and Carroll has been absolutely amazing with a 132 WRC plus 866 OPS. 
24 homers, 47 steals. And that's with, you know, a downturn in power um, from kind of like the all-star break on when he had that shoulder surgery, shoulder injury scare. Um, but, you know, looks like he, he's healthy, hitting some more homers recently. Um, I'm excited for Carroll in 2024. Um, but he really did catch me by surprise with how amazing he was in 2023. I'm not uh, like... So he had a big spring. He didn't have any homers, but he was running. Uh, I was just looking up just kind of where he was at. There was, here's an Eric Cross tweet from March 15th. Another day, another two hard hit batted ball by Corbin Carroll. He's yet to hit a homer, but he's slashing 346, 485, 615 with two steals. He's going to be a stud and well worth his top 75 at that point, mid-March, top 75 ADP this season. I think we really liked Carroll, if I recall, Steve. And with the with the running environment and the rule change and everything, bigger bases, we thought he would kind of walk into a 30-steal season. So we were all interested and like you said the eye test like i remember listening to the welsh who's you know a diamondback homer rave about corbin carroll and i was like man he could be a league winner i would love to grab him i think maybe a lesson learned for me and i tried to follow it with christian javier so it is a process thing but if you love a guy whose adp is getting pricier around draft day like you don't always have to to sprint away from that like i think i'm going to be more That's aggressive and and it always seems like it's in that range of like pick 60 to 90 where you're like okay I guess I gotta grab you know they're telling me I need Teoscar Hernandez here but I really think I'd rather have Carol whatever it is I like there is no price that would have been too much for Carol mm-hmm. and and what he just did he and just if you believe if you believe season. in that despite the price going up you still should have paid it right it, you know yeah so yeah, agree. I think we're looking at a, a first rounder. It'll be nice to have the health. Um, the Diamondbacks should have a little postseason run. I know that's pretty tight it's on tight, the, yeah. the wild card yeah. hunt. Um, but yeah, we're looking at 25, 50, 280 type of guy who's 23 years old. So yeah, that's that's a good one. I think um, it kind of is a... a a nice segue into my last one because in a sense, you're not shocked that he was this good, right? It's just, you were shocked that he he was one of the best players in the league, you know? Cause we, we were, neither one of us were out on Carroll, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, we were, we were an out, but we, I, I should have been in like in the past yeah. I've had crushes similar to this that have paid off. Like, you know, the first one that comes to mind <laughs> right. is like, Nolan Arenado, I remember I like took him in the beginning of the second round, like before he had his breakout breakout year, and like uh, you know one of my league mates like condescendingly was like, "What are you doing? Like, what do you expect this pick to be?" And like he hit forty home runs because like I believed in my process, like believe mm-hmm. in your process because you know if you do your homework, um, you're gonna look smart. Like there, there's 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 things that you could look at like you know the welsh uh scooping up corbin carroll in the fourth and fifth rounds or even the third round when it draws 
oohs and ahs from the from the draft board from the draft room and some heckles like he's the one laughing now like because you know he trusted this process so there, there there's a way to go about this like don't just draft every shiny new toy and yes obviously you know cost is, is important but um there there there's you know you, you could be right too uh just because the price goes up and like you know oh all of a sudden Corbin Cowles a 50 top 50 pick I'm out like no you should have still been in yeah yeah it's fair I think the one thing I want to call into question is on the power because I think the speed uh, I'm fine expecting this I think the average we know he's a he's a great hitter there might even be upside beyond the 280 I am a little skeptical on just ordaining him like a a 25 30 homer guy. Maybe that's not fair, but it's just never um I guess in the minor at double A in the minors he had 16 homers in 58 games, mm-hmm. which is exceptional, but um I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, the barrel rate is not there, like a pole. But... Yeah, yeah. Barrel Ray's not there. He's not like a dead pole guy. Like his homers, he's got a lot that have kind of gone to all fields. Five ten, one sixty five. Like, I think I had know. had there not been this shoulder injury, he would have been at you know a little bit closer to thirty home runs, and I think the concern would have been eased a bit had that injury not happened. But it obviously is still concerning because it did happen and it did sap his power a bit. But, you know, he had, what, like 18 homers heading into July, something like that. Um, Yeah, really, 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 really good totals. Um, I think that he is the kind of guy that gets the most out of his swing and, and power and has more power than you expect just because he is 5'10". Yeah. Yeah, I would not complain taking him in the second half in the first round next year, health health permitting. So that's a good one. From here, we will go to uh, my my first and final uh, optimistic take, and it kind of follows in the same talk track as Corbin Carroll. But we're going to take our second ad break, and we'll be right back. So, Steve, that moves us over to a name that uh, you might have been surprised that I threw him on the rundown because we were both very high on him in, in draft season. Uh, I don't know if he made my bold predictions. He might have made yours, but I know we we talked about him as a draft this, not that, and kind of an all-value type of pick. Uh, but I'm still surprised at just how much we've seen from Matt Olson, who is continuing his amazing season and it's looked even better in September with a 1401 OPS and eight home runs in this month, just 13 days in. Uh, Matt Olson is now sitting at a 51 home run total, uh, batting 280 and a 1003 OPS on the season. With being on the best team in baseball, that that comes with 128 RBIs and even 116 runs for Olsen. Um, Yeah, this, what he's done is a first round uh, production. And we didn't mention him last week when we were uh, talking first round at all. 
He's just 29. I know uh, his name's been around for a long time. I know there's kind of a, not boring, but just kind of oatmeal-y nature to like, yeah, he's going to bat 260. He's going to get you 30, 35 homers. But like, that's not what he's doing right now. It's 280, 50 homer pop. Uh, I'm blown away with, with what we're seeing here from Matt Olson. Highest max EV of his career. Highest barrel rate of his career with a 17.4%. Uh, he's cut the strikeouts slightly. He's increased the walks. He's skyrocketed his hard hit rate, like everything you would want to see from Matt Olson. You're seeing, um, just got to tip my hat and say like, we were, we were high on him, but I think I was hoping for 40 homers to 70 and he's got 51 and counting and he's hitting 280 and the runs RBIs are insane. So uh, short and sweet on Matt Olson, but holy smokes, what what a season we're seeing! Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I don't know if I could count it as surprise. I, I think I he was probably my most talked about player uh, in the off season. We talked about him as a bounce back. We talked about it as an ADB value we loved. Uh, I think he was on my chalkboard. I'm pretty sure. Um, my biggest regret is that in my home league, I had the opportunity or I was on the turn and Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Olson were there and I was considering taking Olson. I was like, ah, I'll just take someone else and take whichever one of them falls. And of course, uh-huh. Olson went on the, on the turn. Um, and then, so I was the second, you know, I was the second to last pick in the second round. Two picks went, one of them was Olson and I took Goldschmidt. It would have been much smarter if I just listened to my process and and taken Matt Olson uh, where I wanted him and, and locked him up rather than playing that little game of taking whoever was available. Yep. Um, Risk so, it for two picks. Uh, uh, yeah, a little a little lesson learned there. Like just take, take just stick to your stick to your board and, and take who who you want to take. But yeah, I mean ten oh six OPS. I guess that's that's uh, still even beyond what I expected. Um, a 163 OPS. I was, I was thinking more of like the 2021 Matt Olson where he hit 271 with the 40 homers, 39 homers. Not not this, but uh yeah, it's just been absolutely incredible. Um I think he'll be taken where like I don't know, like maybe maybe a little bit so long where Austin a, 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 Riley went Riley this year, went, like yeah, he, yeah. Pick 21, first first like third that. of the second round yeah exactly exactly I, I think you're right um, but sure yeah you, you can't expect this but I I would expect the value for for that pick too I think that he's still that good um, yeah there is some volatility to his game right like you know you saw him hit 240 the year before. Um, but I think he is more of the the two sixty hitter, two fifty five hitter that he's been for his career rather than the two forty, which with that power, that's that's still not that big of a of an issue. Yeah, I was uh gonna pull up kind of his his babips across the last last three seasons because I know we, we definitely saw the the average coming up. So yeah, it was uh a t- okay, a two ninety eight babip this year. A 274 last year and a 269 the year before, so really maybe the, I mean with the two of very similar babips right 269 264 you got a 270 average which you know for him good, 
but then you also got a 241, which is bad, right? It, it's kind of crazy to play that game. Yeah. Yeah, biggest uh, jump on season over season. Uh, 21.2% home run to fly ball in 21 with Oakland. Uh, similarly, a 20% home run to fly ball last year with Atlanta. This year, a 31.9% home run to fly ball. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's got to be some regression, it seems. Uh, but the barrel rate has climbed up, which will definitely help your home run to fly ball rate. Um, I guess we were, you know, when you look at the strikeout rate was was more or less 17% a couple years ago and, and 24 and change last year. It's closer to last year than it was two years ago mm-hmm. this year. So I, I think with that comes a higher, higher uh, barrel rate, though. So I'll take that trade. Yeah. Yeah. So you think 270, 40 homers? I, I think that's, a, where that's, a, I think that's a fair, fair projection and expectation. Yeah. Yeah. But with that offense, I, I think what's not going to change is probably the amount of runs in RBI. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I had some shares, but for how much we loved them, should have had more. Should have had them in every, every league. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Okay. Uh, round us out here, Steve, with uh, your final one. I promise you, I'm not doing this just to troll you. I am generally or genuinely shocked at, at how this season went for not only the fantasy players, but the Cardinals as a whole. Um, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, it applies to fantasy too. I think that for the most part, most of their players had disappointing years right like Goldschmidt went from being a literal MVP of the league to I think his lowest OPS ever um yeah and that includes uh, that what? like first disappointing year that he had in in St. Louis and you know now he's 36 he just turned 36 three days ago um so you know it's it's hard to to in you know to bank on uh, another plus eight hundred uh, plus nine hundred OPS again, um, even even bouncing back from the disappointing quote unquote eight fifteen that he has this year, he's still very good, mm-hmm. but it's disappointing. Arenado got off to a really slow start, bounced back, but never really was incredible. Uh, I would say, and then their pitching was just absolutely horrible maybe i shouldn't have been shocked by that because uh, the, there was you, you could easily have poked holes in, in in that but um it's just been disappointing from you know these superstars having disappointing seasons yeah Arenado's ops 787 uh, a lot worse than, than than what i thought it was and a far cry from the 891 he had in 2022 all of their yep. breakouts either you know got hurt or you know didn't break Gorman. out. Like Gorman yep. uh, had an up and down year. I know he had a nice home run total. Newt Bar was hurt. Brennan Donovan, you know, right when he started to get going for a little bit, was out for the year. Uh, yep. So it was just sort of a disaster all around. And the Cardinals, even up, Contreras, yeah, we kept saying Wilson Contreras. He, every, everything looks he, like he's uh, been great recently, trigger. but yeah. it's, it's been too late and. He's also hurt now, too. So, um, you know, a part of the reason why I sometimes default the Cardinals is because, like, 
maybe this shouldn't this is the best process there's nothing scientific to it but the cardinals devil magic and they sort of always find a way and they always find a way to outproduce their expected numbers and not like x stats but like you know be better than they are on paper and they always put together a good team this division this year i know the brewers have been better recently and their pitching's been great but was right there for the taking but it didn't happen for them, and that's the first time that it felt like it didn't happen for them in forever, uh, as, yeah. as long as I can remember. So uh, it, it's just a shocking year overall for, for the Cardinals for me. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, you and I both, it was like pick pick which ones we were excited about. Like I was hyping up Goldie as this, you know, is he still a value even this high from what he was coming off of? You know, we love Donovan, love Newt Bar. I, I think when I look at the whole, like, lineup here of, of Cardinal players that are fantasy relevant, I think the one I might be most interested in next year is still going to be Newt Bar. Um, just entering Power Prime, uh, you know, he's been riddled with injuries, never really been able to, like, get a fair stretch where like other than what we've seen recently and he's been good so like if you look at second half of the season he's had a 938 OPS um overall yeah just 120 or uh, in 102 games but a lot of those were on either side of like IL stints and he's gone 13 homers 10 steals a 272 average uh his plate skills are still like among the best and I feel like there's not a lot that's changed for me for Newt, where I, I, I would not be shocked if he next year, at a much cheaper price, by the way, because yeah. now he's burnt a lot of managers, there's still be the some upside. Fa- there'll definitely be some fatigue with that name, yeah. yeah. Yes, and I think that it's still very much a 25-20, 270 type of profile that I would be very excited about. And it, there could be more. So I, I like Newt of the mix. But, yeah, Wilson Contreras probably was the one who came out with a, a good-looking line compared to, yeah, Goldie, a little underwhelming. Arnauto, the 26 homers, is just the the league context. Like, that's not impressive anymore. Go, you know, Goldschmidt's 23 and 10 steals. Like, in past years, you might have been excited about the 10 steals, but now that's lost in the volume of steals overall. So, yeah, hard to argue. Um, obviously, as a fan, it, it's been one of the most forgettable seasons. And even Jordan Walker, we were so excited mm-hmm. about. I was reaching. I think I grabbed him in, you know, before pick 100, and it was such a gamble. And it just was not anywhere. Like, I would have thought it would be a disaster or he would be rookie of the year. And it's just landing in this weird space still of, like, way too many ground balls, like, 17 homers, whatever, it's fine. So, yeah, there was not a lot to be excited about for, for the Cardinals. And in a real baseball sense, like, it couldn't be more clear, and it was going into the season, that they need pitching to to compete. Um, and, and, yeah. It's and, as and now as they that, need so. some bounce backs, though, too. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, from a real – from a, and hitting, and Mason too. Mason Wins yeah. looked terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Mason um, Wynn has not looked good at all. Goldie and, and Aaron, I don't need to be the, the cornerstones that, that you hope they are. Um, but time's running out age-wise there. 
Uh, and yeah, it's just like, you know, Walker had overall, like real life, I think a successful season. Like he had some growing pains, made some adjustments, got sent down, um, slowly improving that, that ground ball rate. But like, you know, he was learning a new position, played out of position. Uh, Something that the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals never seem to do something like that. And like, they always put their guys in the the best position to succeed. But, um, you know, the, the roster management wise, they've always seemed like they've had too too many outfielders and too short, too too uh, in need of two more starters. Um, so it's just it's just interesting how how this year uh, played out for them. But hey, it's the Cardinals. They 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 always try to compete and, and usually um, have a have a competitive team and make smart decisions. So um, I wouldn't put it past them to bounce back next year. But it was just shocking. Uh, you know, if you would have showed me the standings um, in oh March and, and showed me this, uh, that would have been probably the biggest shock for me. That and like the Mets and probably the Padres too. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, those teams have been more volatile. The, the Cardinals were always the steady Eddie, so uh, I guess that's why that's a little more shocking for me. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. The, uh, it's, I'm starting to, in a way, call into question on hitter development as well, yeah. like sustainability wise, because like we short term memory, like people were this excited about Dylan Carlson mm-hmm. when he came up, like there was a big Carlson versus Kelnick debate. And it's like, you know, there was uh, before that there was, I mean, I guess Tyler O'Neill, they had the one season, but that hasn't been a success. Uh, Harrison Bader and DeYoung were in that same group that it was like that didn't work out. Um, Edmund, it's been kind of up and down, but it's just like they haven't really developed to where I'm looking at like Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker and saying it's can't miss um, in terms of the the bat. So, yeah, yeah. Definite down year, uncharacteristic, and it couldn't agree more that when you look at the standings, it's just like, what? And, yeah, I don't know. Like, the Brewers, even the Brewers being up there with Corbin Burns not being, like, elite, elite, um, I don't know. I think the whole division is, is kind of fake news anyway for the real <laughs> game. But, yeah, we'll yeah. see. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, any honorable mentions or anyone, Steve, that uh, you wanted to just kind of chuck a name out? Or was uh, this kind of the the bulk of the list? I know a lot of the names were ones that we have talked about, like we, like we mentioned at the top of the show with Lane Thomas, uh, things like that. You know, one that one that stuck out with me is um, uh, was it Mitch Keller? Who just in terms of strikeout total, like I was surprised, uh, 191 Ks coming off a year with. 138 like that had my attention i know we kind of talked about him throughout the year but um yeah a lot of names we've kind of exhausted all season yeah maybe um you'll see the 423 area and there was a few tough months in between some really really uh amazing months and looked like a real breakout with him but still a really nice year and uh, you know if people are, are, are scared away by an era that starts with four i think he could be another draft day value i know he went in like the last round in a few of the leagues that i was in my home knee and uh, later rounds on like nfbc league so 
maybe there'll be a nice discount on him. I think that's 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 a really good call. Um, I did not expect this from Pablo Lopez. Like I thought this would be, you know, I thought he was a fine pitcher. I had a lot of shares of him last year, but kind Same. of avoided him um, overall. But he kind of established himself as like an ace, which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Um, talk about strikeouts. With- he has. 213 strikeouts in 178 innings with a 114 whip. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll do a, a, a breakout sort of episode here too as we as we round it up. But um, those are two names to jump off the board. Yeah, yeah. With how dreadful everything's been for the Yankees, I was a little surprised looking at season totals that Glaber, 25 homers, yeah. 13 steals, 271. Yep, yep. Yeah, and like the counting stats, 82 runs uh, on a team that was struggling as much as they were. Like, Glaber at second base, like that's, you know, uh, talk about a guy whose name is kind of getting some, uh, you know, uh, it's not getting the buzz that it used to. Um, I I was kind of surprised, impressed to see that. The fact that he hit 38 homers in that rabbit ball season probably like hurt him more than ever because we put an unrealistic expectation on him, but he's been, even the last two years, you know, 24 homers, 10 steals last year, 25 homers, 13 steals this year, 801 OPS. He is a good fantasy player. Yep. Yep. The Reds had a handful with whether Spencer Steer or Matt McClain. Uh, was it, yeah, Josh Jung is another one who, like, season-wise, like, he kind of got robbed of that overall stat line. Uh, but yeah, when we were talking about him, like what, just like if, if a two thirds of a season and he had a 22 homers, 67 RBIs. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of surprises all around and a full, full off season to get into it. So yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so what's ahead, Steve? We got, uh, one more week till we're. Fully wrapped. I think we got two more two, shows. Two I more think. shows. Yeah, two more shows in September, and then uh, we'll start doing some prep. Exciting stuff. Love it. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, uh, especially this time of year. If you're still with us, we'd really appreciate it if you guys went out, give us a rating and review. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsBuffPod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav eight eight one eight. But that rounds us out for episode one seventeen. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.